0: There's a great story about the great Indian of Simcha, Simcha Shal Mitzvah. In this parsha, we have the mitzvah of Simcha. And the Simcha. And then at the end of the Pasha talks about the Techecheh. And the reason the Techeh scribes all these terrible things that will befall the Jewish people is because they didn't serve Hashem simcha, As the Arizal famously said that the emphasis is on the simcha. Even when Jews serve Hashem, they do mitzvahs, but it's lacking simcha, chas this Shalom, this is what can happen. So I just want to share a story which is written by one of the family members of the Chassam Sefer. It's a fascinating story with, about the Inya, of Simcha Shal Mitzvah. The Chassam Sefer was once sitting with his Talmudian learning late at night, when there was a knock on the door. And there was the Chaim, the president of the community of Pressburg, was one of the wealthiest men in the community, whose face seemed very, um, very down. Some asked him, what's the matter? And he said, Rebbe, um, I just lost everything, all my money, and a bad investment and he began to cry he says Rebbe I don't worry about my money I'm worried more about all the pledges I made to give money to this one to that one support some family members and here I have nothing some thought for a moment and then said to him Rebbe Chaim, wait one minute he went quickly to a drawer pulled out 10,000 gulden it was a currency of the time which was a fortune of money it was all the money he had saved up through his entire life for the marriage of his children. And he pulled out the money and brought it to Reb Chaim. He said, Reb Chaim, take the first train tomorrow morning to Leipzig, which was at that time the um, trade center of, of Europe, where people would come together and trade with everything, about everything. Coffee, uh, textiles, animals, anything that they could uh, make money from go to, uh, to Leipzig right away, and the first deal somebody offers you, take, buy it, here's the money, invest, and with Hashem's help, I hope that you'll make your money back. Reb Chaim for a moment hesitated, Reb is going to give his life savings away, and take a risk. What if he loses the money? What if he makes a bad, another bad investment? The Chassam Sefer assured him that it's not a problem, and that he, he's begging him to take the money. He's, um Reb Chaim went, left to Leipzig and as soon as he got off the train the first thing he met an old acquaintance who hadn't seen him in years and he says, Chaim, it's so great to see you he says, Chaim, listen I have a deal for you there's a huge ship with coffee coming from a third world country and um, I bought it but uh, I have no use for it I'd like to sell it I'll give you a good price. How much? He says, 10,000 gulden. Chaim thinks, what divine providence? Exactly the amount of money that Hashem gave him. The Chassam also told him to, not to hesitate and to engage in the first business proposal. So he said to his friend, yes, here is the money. Give him the 10,000 gulden. And w- before the ship arrived at the harbor, uh, Something happened. Many of the ships that were supposed to bring in coffee as well from competing companies uh, disappeared. Either some of them drowned or were hijacked. It turns out that the only ship that survived the journey across the ocean was the ship that this Chaim bought, which means that the price of coffee went up exponentially. And Chaim was able to sell the coffee for a fortune. Not only did he make back his money, he even made extra money, more money than he had before. Chaim is so excited, watching such a miracle happen in front of his eyes. And being so grateful to the rabbi, the Chassam Sefer, he decided before he goes back to press work, he's going to stop over at a, at a jewelry store, and maybe he wants to buy a nice piece of jewelry, uh, which the rabbi will be able to give to his wife. A diamond ring. He bought a very expensive diamond ring and put it in his pocket, and he left back to Pressburg. It's a few days after his last visit at the Sefer's home, he's knocking again on the door. HaShem Sefer again was learning late night with his students, and the Sefer opens the door, and he sees again Chaim, but this time his face was bright and shining. He says, Chaim, how did he go? And Chaim quickly told the rabbi what a miracle happened, and he's so excited, and here is the 10,000 gulden, He wants to return the money before he goes home. He didn't even bother to go home to tell his wife that he's back in town. But he wanted to first return the 10,000 gulden. The rabbi accepts the money. And then Chaim says, "Um, Rebbe, um, I also decided, I'm so grateful to you. And I decided to buy a little gift for your wife that you can give your wife a a diamond ring. I'm giving it to you in gratitude for for being so uh, helpful. Shem calls him in. He says, let me look at the diamond. He sits down in front of the Talmidim. And Chaim sits next to the Rabbi. And they take out the diamond and they analyze it. And the Shem Sefer goes and makes these wonderful sounds of amazement. What a beautiful diamond. And he looks at it and looks at it and says, wow, what a gorgeous. This is amazing. My wife would be extremely happy if she gets this diamond ring. And then he turns to Rab Chaim. But Chaim don't you know that this is ribis it's usury you're not allowed to take it it's taking interest for a loan thank you very much here take it back take it home and enjoy it give it to whomever you want and Zayimik isn't Chaim was a little bit puzzled at first the rabbi led him on to believe that he loves it it's such a, he's so, so excited about the gift but then he turns around and says no uh, I'm not allowed to take it it's against Torah Chaim left the house, he had to rush home to see his family and meanwhile the students are sitting there totally uh, stunned by what they had just watched and they asked Chassam Seifer to explain please what just happened and Chassam Seifer began to explain to them, he said listen I I need to tell you a quick story when I was a little boy my parents handed me over to the great illustrious." going and Tzadik, him a kubel, Reb Nasen Adler, one of the greatest people of his generation, and he he lived literally with Reb Adla Adler, and he learned with him day and night. One day, he said, well, we, "My rebbe and I were studying. Um, again, a, a delegation of uh, middle of the night, a delegation of Jews from a nearby village, not far from Frankfurt." Some survey grew up in Frankfurt, not far from Frankfurt. Uh, came to Reb Nadler Adler in the middle of the night in, a, in, a, in an emergency, because the the mayor of that village was going to sign a law um, that will be very difficult for the Jews financially, economically. And they tried very hard to have the mayor um, retract that law, but it didn't work. So they decided to come and ask if he would come with them to talk to the mayor because they knew that the mayor although he wasn't Jewish but he very much respected Rav Nadler. Adler he once met him and he was extremely taken and impressed with the rabbi's wisdom so they came with a wagon to pick up the rabbi because they need to be there before dawn before the law is signed into the books the rabbi listened he was elderly and it was a winter night and it was a blizzard there was a a foot of snow outside and it was midnight and they're asking him to come out into the cold and sit in the wagon and in this snow uh, they had a sled uh, on the wagon so in this snow it would take them quite a while it would take them several hours to get to the village because of the snow so some Savior thought for one, end, and then he said, listen, to help a community of Jews, what don't you do? What, do what, what doesn't one do? And he decided to go. He put on his fur coat, his boots, and he asked me to come along. So we can study Torah in the, in the wagon. Well, we, we both went onto the wagon, we, and we started schmoozing in Torah. Learning, continue to learn where we left off. About two hours into the journey, it's in the middle of nowhere, it's dark, pitch dark, white everywhere, snow, at least a foot, a foot and a half of snow, and the wagon stops. We're wondering why is the wagon stopping, so the the wagon driver says that one of his horses died, and one horse cannot schlep so many people, he needs to find another animal, it's two in the morning, he needs to find another animal. He goes out and He says, I'll be back soon. You guys sit here meanwhile. About an hour goes by before the guy came back with the the second animal, tied it to the wagon, and then, totally by surprise, Ribnaz Nadler, who was at that moment uh, very comfortable in the wagon, smoothing Torah, it was getting warm inside, and had his boots off, he jumps out of the wagon without his boots. And he he's like all ecstatic. And, and he can't even speak from great excitement. And when I'm wondering, Rebbe, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> it sounded like he went mad or something. He's dancing outside uh, like he's ecstatic. And then he's pointing with his finger because he couldn't speak from excitement to the front, that I should look to the front. I look at the front. The guy apparently couldn't find a horse, so he brought a bull. So he tied the bull next to the horse. Who, as we all know, that's a very in the territory, Now they have two species of animals. <laughs> so we told the guy, we need to bring another horse. He can't, either he brings another bull and leaves the horse here, or he has to bring another horse. Anyways, the, the guy untied the bull, went back to town, took another hour before he came back with a horse. In the meantime, my Rebbe came down. He sat down in the wagon. And I said to him, what was this ex- excitement. Why were you excited? I understand you were concerned about the mitzvah So he answered and said When in the world would I have had the opportunity to fulfill this mitzvah? This is such a rare mitzvah. When would I have a chance to do a mitzvah? <laughs> Here the Avisha gave me an opportunity not to go on a wagon because a horse and a, and a bull were tied together to the same wagon. This of Hag Mitzvah, the simcha was so overwhelming. When I heard this from my Rebbe, I realized the incredible simcha that he had, that he had a chance to do a mitzvah, a mitzvah that nobody even understands. A bull and a horse. Uh, what's, in the, what's so spiritual about that, this mitzvah? But Torah says so. It's a mitzvah from a Baruch Hu. So that gave him incre- uh, immense simcha. Simcha that was so overwhelming that he couldn't speak. So he said, when I hear Chaim coming back, you know, offered me that diamond ring, I right away knew there's something wrong with this. But I wanted to do the mitzvah right. I wanted to, do, to really do the mitzvah. To do a mitzvah of a negative nature. So he says, don't do something. You have to want it first, in order before you do the mitzvah. If you don't even want it, then it's not a mitzvah. If you want to steal something and you don't, then you fulfill the mitzvah. The Loisa says, the Medrash says, Minayin, how do we know if somebody abstains from doing an Avera? It's like fulfilling a mitzvah, just like doing a mitzvah actively. Because we learn it from a pasuk. So you have to first have a desire for it. So first I wanted to have a desire, get excited about it. So I asked Chaim to come in. I studied the diamond. And it was d- indeed one of the most beautiful pieces of jewelry I've ever seen. And now I could do the mitzvah right. And I said, But I'm not allowed to take it. And that opportunity I didn't want to miss. The simcha for a mitzvah.